The Blood Flow Restriction Podcast is brought to you by Saga, a world leader in innovative BFR technology. For more information on our Bluetooth-enabled auto-calibrating BFR cuffs, head over to our website at saga.fitness. And if you'd like to pick up a set for yourself, you can save 20% with the discount code BFRPODCAST. Welcome back to the Blood Flow Restriction Podcast. To kick off our educational series, we think it's important to cover a brief history of blood flow restriction. Obviously, just given that the practice itself seems pretty counterintuitive, right? We're going to purposely restrict blood flow during physical activity. Don't we want to increase blood flow? That's a question we get a lot in the inbox. So we figured it would be useful to run through the origin story of the practice. Who came up with it? How did they come up with it to begin with? Uh, Where did the idea come from? When did research begin and how did we get to where we're at today in the scientific landscape of blood flow restriction training? So we're going to run through all of that in this brief episode. So if you've had at least some exposure to BFR training, you've probably heard the term Katsu. You might immediately think of that as, oh yeah, the brand Katsu that sells blood flow restriction cuffs. And while that is true, there's a brand called Katsu, that term actually dates back a lot further than the brand itself. The legend goes a bit like this. So in 1966, there's a man called Yoshiaki Sato. He was attending a memorial service in Japan, and in traditional Japanese posture, he was sitting on his knees. So you can picture the back of his hamstrings effectively touching his calves. Pretty uncomfortable position to be in, particularly if you're not used to it, and particularly for an extended period of time. This was a memorial service, so it took a bit of time. And after a while, he started to notice a pretty strong discomfort in his calves. He's pretty into bodybuilding and physique training at the time. And he actually kind of correlated it to the feeling you get effectively like the pump, the sensation you'd get if you did a bunch of calf raises. He was young at the time, but he postulated that maybe this has something to do with the fact that, you know, the position I'm in is restricting blood flow into my calves. And because that feeling or sensation was similar to what he'd get from doing calf raises, he thought, I wonder if there's some sort of matching benefits as well, just from restricting blood flow to the limb. Can we possibly replicate some strength or muscle building benefits just by restricting blood flow to the limb and maybe doing that during some form of training? And that sort of triggered this intellectual working model in his brain, uh, which led to a six to seven year journey of experimentation and testing and ultimately developing the methodology behind what he called katsu or the Japanese word for pressure. Sometimes we'll hear it referred to as added pressure or training under pressure, but that term katsu uh, is in reference to the Japanese word for pressure, training under pressure, added pressure, etc. So all this happened a ways ago, right? The memorial service was in 1966. He experimented for six or seven years, but it wasn't for about three more decades until BFR research really began to emerge, at least at scale. There is a bit of deliberation within the scientific community when the first BFR study was published, technically. Brief pause, if you're enjoying the BFR podcast and want to learn more about BFR training, we've put together a free BFR ebook for you. The Comprehensive Guide to BFR Training covers everything from basics of BFR physiology to benefits, protocols, research reviews, and more. You can find a link to download it in the show notes or directly on our site at saga.fitness. All right, let's get back to the show. People will point out that you can look back and find studies in the 30s uh, where cuffs were applied to limbs and you know pressure was applied, but those were not done for the purposes of improving muscle function, so we're going to toss those aside for now. Many will regard a study published in 1998 by Shinohara as the precipice of modern-day blood flow restriction literature, at least as we understand it today. Quick caveat on that, though. Of course, if you scour through PubMed, 
a while, you'll be able to find some earlier studies. I was able to find one out of Sweden uh, from 1994, I believe. But largely, again, the paper by Shinohara is regarded as the, the precipice or the catalyst to modern day BFR literature. And if you look at that study specifically, we're not going to dive too deep into the details, uh, but I think at least if you understand the design and, and some of the results, it helps set the stage for the evolution of BFR research over the last several decades. Um, so we'll just look at that briefly. The researchers used a within-subject unilateral design, which just allowed the subjects to serve as their own control. This method is not exclusive to BFR literature at all, uh, but it is very effective, and it's been replicated many times over, rightly so. This just means that they had the subjects undergo a specific protocol. In this case, it was single-leg isometric knee extensions, uh, but they only had a, a BFR cuff applied on one leg. So this makes it relatively straightforward, right? Just observe differences in specific outcomes between limbs. You have one leg with the BFR cuff and one leg without the cuff, you know, both of them are doing the same exact thing. What impact does BFR have? This study only looked at strength, but they did observe a 26% increase in the BFR leg with no significant strength increase in the other leg. Again, we're not going to dive any deeper in that study specifically, but fast forward nearly 25 years later, where we sit today in 2022, and there's now hundreds of peer-reviewed papers at this point highlighting the benefits of blood flow restriction training. So far, blood flow restriction training has withstood the test of time. It's been observed pretty rigorously over the last few decades, and that will obviously continue moving forward. We still have much to learn about the practice. Some of its mechanisms are still unknown. In other words, we know it works. We're just trying to explain fully how. Soon we'll be delivering methodical breakdowns of existing meta-analyses and systematic reviews around different BFR topics. So things like athlete performance, rehabilitation, uh, systemic effects of blood flow restriction, safety, and much more. For now though, I hope this gives you a clear picture of the origins of blood flow restriction and how we got to where we're at today. I think it's important to at least set the stage. If you can understand where a methodology came from, it's a lot easier to track with where it's headed as new research emerges and as the science of BFR evolves over time. But that's all for now, and we'll see you on the next episode in our educational series.